0: And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the Word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not, in Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you.
1: When the subject of keeping the Sabbath comes up, I always like to ask The people that are trying to push or say that it's even important, it's definitely not important. If you make it important, that's not a sin, but when you start making it, trying to push it on others, then it is a sin, Romans 14 and 15. You're taking something that's totally non-essential and trying to make it a requirement. You're hurting the work of Christ for meat or something non-essential. And you're now in sin, Romans 14. Now, I always ask, I say, "Where, where in the New Testament, where? Just give me one scripture reference, one scripture reference, where there's any instruction to any New Testament believer that does any requirement or any virtue in keeping any certain day. Now, if you can come up with those references, chapters and verses, not even more you're going to find, then we got something going here. I will start keeping the Sabbath. But until you come up with commands, instructions, even hints in the New Testament to keep any certain day, you're found to be a liar because you're pushing something that God never told us is important. You'll notice in Acts 15 where the council, the apostles, this was the first council. Of the apostles. This wasn't some clowns in church history, man. This is the apostle of Christ. I have to care less about church history's councils; They mean nothing to me. I don't care to even read them. Some people do, and that's fine. Maybe they just want to expose them or whatever. But I don't, I could care less. I got enough Bible to learn for the rest of my life. Anyway, so certain Judaizers, these are evil workers, the concision, the dogs, Philippians 3, 1 and 2 calls them. These are evil wolves. They come in and tell the people, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, in other words, like the law taught, you cannot be saved. So they're adding to the, the gospel. They're trying to introduce parts of the law or just one part, and that's it, just one part. Whether it be circumcision or the Sabbath doesn't matter. You see, it still brings you under bondage to the law. Because if you're going to keep the law, you got to keep the whole thing or you're guilty of all. Now, so they got together, the apostles and counseled together concerning what was necessary for salvation, what God had established was necessary for salvation. And they said this, God, verse eight, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did up unto us. In other words, God gave the Gentiles the Holy Ghost, saved them and gave them the gift of the Holy Ghost, just like he did us, the Jews, and put no difference between them, purifying their hearts by faith. Ephesians 2 tells us that both Jews and Gentiles are now in one body. There's only one Israel of God, Galatians 6. One, quote, Israel of God, unquote. And that's the body of Christ made up of Jews and Gentiles. Through faith in Christ, there's no separate way for Jews to get into the kingdom. You come through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and he's your all, all of your righteousness, or you're not saved. There's only two types of people in the world today, friend. It's not Jews and Gentiles, so much as it is lost and saved. Saved. He has saved us by his blood out of every nation, kindred, and tongue, according to Revelation. So, verse 9 of Acts 15, notice here, you know, I'm talking about these Sabbath keeping, Sabbath idolaters who make an idol out of the Sabbath day, these absolute bozos. I mean, you got to be some stupid. I, I'm sorry. I know that's getting a little bit raw with my language, but that is just ridiculous. Let me ask, this is what I asked them. I said, really, really? You, you're talking about a day and you never mention Jesus Christ. You see, why don't they mention Jesus Christ? Because out of the abundance of the heart, their mouth speaks. They're full of religion. They're full of idolatry. They don't love Jesus. It's not about Jesus. You see, when you're born again, all things become new and all things are of God. They're all about God. Your whole life's about Jesus, your first love. It's not about, well, I'm a church member. Well, I never miss church, really. Who cares? Is Jesus your first love? You know, all these people, all they're going to do is talk about Sabbath. They're going to engage you in this argument. You know, they love to argue. And they're not going to mention Jesus Christ one time. Why? They don't know him. They do not know him. They're lost. They need to repent. And by the way, the Bible says their mouths must be stopped. Titus 1. This is not a small issue. Paul said he gave them no place. No, not even for an hour. Galatians 2, 4 and 5. This is not a small issue. So if you see men of God rise up against this and violently smite it, shut people down, and cut them off that are teaching this, they're doing the will of God. And you better not interfere with it or you might come under the judgment of God yourself. This is not a small thing, friend. This The eternal souls that Jesus died to save are in the balance, including yours and mine. If you go back under the law, even one part of the law, and think that that makes you righteous, you have denied Christ, you're an antichrist. You have openly denied the Son of God and said that his sacrifice was not enough and that he lied to you and the whole world by saying it is finished. Now, friend, either Jesus Christ accomplished salvation or he didn't. What do you say? Who do you say that he is? Whose report will you believe Did God send his son and did his son accomplish salvation for the whole world? being the propitiation for our sins, but not only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2, verse 1 and 2. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. I believe Jesus Christ is exactly who the Bible, God's Word, told us that He was. He came in the volume of the book that it, it was written in all 39 books of the Old Testament. And He perfectly fulfilled everything that was prophesied about Him. He didn't make one mistake. He didn't sin once. He went to that cross willingly and He allowed those sinful, evil men to nail him to that cross so that his perfect, innocent, divine, precious blood could be shed to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus Christ is my only righteousness. Is it yours? This is what this is all about. Now, in Acts 15, this is a chapter I want to encourage you to go and read. Go read Acts 15, friend. Study it. Now, what you're going to find is that the apostles are establishing what God has set forth to be requirements for salvation, for those who will receive salvation. And we know, according to verse 11 and all over the New Testament, that God accepts men on the basis of faith, not law-keeping or not good works. Good works are important, but those don't save you. Good fruit is important, but they don't save you. It's just merely the produce or the fruit, the evidence that you have a relationship, a true Saving relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't save you. So verse nine, and put no difference between us and them, the Jews and the Gentiles. Purifying their hearts by faith. Purifying their hearts, how? Cleansing them their, of their sins and saving them, how? By faith. Underline that. Highlight it. Bracket it. Take note to every single word. Every word of God is pure. Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Verse ten, Acts fifteen. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Now, notice... What he says here, why tempt ye God? Wow. The Bible says, "Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Why do you tempt God by trying to put a yoke of bondage, the yoke of the law back on these people that you couldn't even keep and never did? Amazing. Notice what Romans 8, 2 through 4 says, for the the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Notice that's the law of the New Testament believer. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which has made us free from the law of sin and death. Hello. See, the law of the spirit of life. You have new life. You have the life of Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life in you you have eternal life you are the temple of the holy ghost where the life of god by the divine person of the holy ghost dwells in you and that's made you that relationship and the power of the spirit of god has made you free from the law of sin and death you see friend you've been made a new creature in christ new wine must be put in new bottles that bottle had to be renovated well that's what happened at regeneration God made you a new person inside, a new creature. It's not by works of righteousness, Titus 3 says, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. See, the washing of regeneration and renewal. He made you something new. He did something. He renovated something on the inside of us making us the very temples of the holy ghost so that's the law of uh the spirit of life in christ jesus that's made us free we're free we're delivered from the law of sin and death which was the old testament law now Verse 3, Romans 8. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Now listen to what it says about the inferior nature of the law. Hello. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. The law was only in place temporarily. It's amazing to me that 2,000 years later, Some buffoons are still trying to keep it when nobody's ever kept it except Christ. Instead of bowing to the one who is the only one who kept it, who fulfilled what it foreshadowed, trusting Him for their salvation, they're going to go back to the law. It's just, when you start looking at scripture on this matter, you're going to just be amazed at the stupidity of such a thing. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the Why? Why did Jesus come? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. You see, the righteousness of the law, the righteousness that it demanded, there's nothing wrong with the law. It's holy, just, and good. The previous chapter of Romans 7 verse 12 says that the law of God, the holy law, is holy, just, and good. And yet, let's read verse 4 again that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled. God sent his son so that the righteousness of the law, the righteous uh, requirements of the law, might be fulfilled in in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now that we've been made, made new creatures, the Holy Spirit lives in us. We are led by the Spirit. As it said in verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You see, we're able to fulfill the righteousness of the law. Only now. Those under the law could not fulfill the righteousness of the law. It was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, but Christ has already come. And to deny that he's your all-sufficiency, and to spit in his face and go back to any part of the law, is being, you're an antichrist if you do that. So, we're now temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, dwells in us. We're new creatures. We're in Christ. And he gives us the power to fulfill the law. What do you mean? Well... The moral law says what? You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, you shall not be an idolater. Well, we got the Holy Ghost in us, empowering us to worship Jesus. He would lead you in all truth and he would glorify me, Jesus said in John. You see, and as we walk with the Lord, of course, it still takes our will. But as we walk and experience relationship with Jesus, we're not going to be lying. The Bible says thou shalt not bear false witness. If I'm in the spirit and I'm walking with Jesus, being made a new creature in Christ, I'm not going to go covet my neighbor's house or wife or anything else or steal or lie or murder or hate or anything like that. See, it's only now that we're New Testament Christians. God sent his son. And now it's only now that we, those that are born again, can walk in the spirit and fulfill the righteous requirements of God given in the law. The Bible talks about in Hebrews that the law gave no power to keep the law. And people were under bondage until such a time as when God set forth his son, as the book of Galatians says, in the fullness of time, God set forth his son, I believe it's Galatians four four. And he has already come, beloved. We must not deny, we must repent of denying, having the spirit of antichrist and denying that Jesus came and perfectly fulfilled, not only did he come, he perfectly fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law, the only one ever to do it, and then nailed it to the tree and took it out of the way. I got good news for you. You're no longer and never were since your birth required to try to keep the law for righteousness. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to every one that believeth. it. Faith puts you in Christ and you're no longer under the law because you're trusting him who is the perfect one, the very son of the living God, God himself, God with us, Emmanuel, who came and was the only one to ever perfectly keep the law, never sin once, and then lay himself on the altar of the cross and shed his blood so that you and I could be redeemed and brought into a relation with God and be brought out from under the bondage of the law to walk in the spirit with him. God bless you. We were talking about how the spirit of Antichrist, that's a term from First John chapter 4, comes in and denies that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And I believe that that includes and most subtly and insidiously includes that they deny they come in and they begin to add to the requirements God. The only Savior, Jesus Christ, gave man for salvation. You see, if you add to the word of God, you are cursed. You're under the plagues or the curses of revelation. That's like the last three, two, or three verses of the Bible. And this is this is what these people are doing. This is not some little innocent deception or something self-deception no this is vile atrocity in the eyes of a holy god paul actually said these people are accursed. yeah a little sweet paul as some would like to frame him falsely, says that these people are actually a curse. Galatians 1 6 through 9. They're preaching another gospel and it's another Jesus because it's not the one depicted and conveyed in the New Testament scriptures. This is a false Jesus and it's another spirit behind it. The Bible talks about seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. See, these are doctrines of devils, and they're controlled by or brought about and influenced and powered in their the people that teach teaching them by seducing spirits, and they're trying to seduce you. They're out to these false brethren or emissaries of the devil to spy out your liberty that you have in Christ, Galatians 2, 4, and 5, so that they might bring you under bondage to the law so that you fall from grace, Galatians 5, 4. We're to stand fast, friend, Galatians 5, 1. We're to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where with Christ has made us free. He's the only salvation that we have. It's all in him. Amen. Jesus. Jesus Christ plus nothing equals everlasting life and salvation, okay? So he warns us, Paul says, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with any yoke of bondage or the law. He's specifically talking about the law. Do not be brought under any requirement of the law. Your righteousness is in Christ who fulfilled the law. He's the only one that ever fulfilled the law. And he did it perfectly and then nailed it to a tree and took it out of the way. Colossians 3, 14 through seventy. Jesus took the law out of the way. The law is over for righteousness. Gosh, how ridiculous can we be to try to go back under something nobody could ever keep anyway except Jesus when he came. No man, we're all sinful to keep the law. It just showed us how sinful we are, Galatians 3, 24. It was a mere schoolmaster that brings to Christ. Christ is infinitely superior to the law sacrifice, the Old Testament sacrifice sacrifices of the mere lambs and of the letter of the law he fulfilled it all all of those things were mere shadows that pointed to him but he's already come see behold the lamb of god which taketh away the sins of the world john the baptist saw jesus coming having all the knowledge as a jew this prophet john John the Baptist, and he made the way of the Lord through. He announced his entrance into the earth and his coming as the Messiah. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He came and he became the Lamb of God. He was the fulfillment of what those animal sacrifices merely prefigured or foreshadowed. But now he's come. Do you believe he's come and satisfied the claims of the Father's justice to make us righteous? Of course he has. But the spirit of Antichrist wants to seduce you and me to let that truth fall, to not be vibrantly nourished up in that precious truth of the Lamb of God who already came and accomplished redemption for us. The Bible even uses the word accomplished in the New Testament about him accomplishing salvation for us. Jesus, when he had by himself, he needed no help and no one qualified to help him. Hello, Hebrews 1, verse 2 and 3. When he had by himself, Purged our sins or accomplished salvation for us, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus did a perfect work. The book of Hebrews is something I want you to become, I want to encourage you to become extremely familiar with as you're nourished up in the words of eternal life and established in the truths of the New Testament that God gave you in his word so that you're not seduced by an evil spirit working through wolves and false brethren they are called the concision dogs and evil workers in Philippians 1, 1 through 3. You see, friend, we are the circumcision, the Bible says, the true New Testament circumcision, not some physical circumcision that profits no one. You see, we are the circumcision, Paul writes, which worship God in the spirit. This is Philippians chapter three, verse one through three. Very important passage. I mean, it's amazing how many times this subject is talked about in the New Testament. Finally, my brethren, Philippians three, one. Finally, my brethren talking to the brethren of Christ. Are you born again? Is that you? If it is, listen up. Rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous but for you it is safe wow Notice the word safe, S A F E, right there in Philippians 3 1. Paul's saying he's writing again to them. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Paul wanted nothing more than to keep them safe. God will keep you safe, but only if you adhere to Him. You seek Him yourself. You study to show your own self approval unto God and stop relying on your pastor. In most cases, pastors aren't, they don't even know the Word of God themselves. And we don't know that. Some people don't know that because they don't know the Word of God. So they don't know that he doesn't know the Word of God. And they, They're following him, basically. Get in the Word yourself. Ask God to forgive you. Repent of not studying his Word. Those who love God love his Word, period. If you don't love the Word of God, it's because you do not love the Lord. It's amazing to me how much time, energy, effort, money, resources that people have to go learn and find out and study about every other wicked person in the world, Hollywood, who they're dating and who they broke up with and, you know, the sports figures. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with sports, but, you know, when you know all the baseball players and all their stats and the football player and the quarterbacks and the basketball players or whatever other sport you like, and you don't know the can't even name the Ten Commandments by heart, good night. You don't have five scriptures memorized verbatim. That's just ridiculous. That shows that you do not love the Lord. You love everything in this world and you don't love the Lord. You just want to use him to go to heaven, but you don't want to get to know him. And you're not going to go to heaven if that's how you die, friend. If he's not your first love and you're lukewarm, you're going to be spewed out of his mouth. You must repent and return to your first love and do the first works. Be on fire for the Lord. It's a choice. Now, verse 2. Notice in verse 1, though, right at the end, he wants to keep them safe. You see, that's why we called our ministry SafeguardYourSoul.com. The only reason why we have a name is because you got to have, you know, if you have a a website, we've had a website for many years now because we want to help make the Word of God and stir people up, you know, the accessibility of it to people all over the world. So anyway, and a central location, people can go for resources on hopefully many, many, many important subjects of Scripture. Safe. God wants us safe. And the Bible says in Proverbs 30 verse 5 Every word of God is pure. He is a shield or a safeguard, a protection. He is a shield under everyone that put their trust in Him. Every word of God is pure. See, it's through the word of God that you have the protection of God, but only if you get in the word of God yourself. The word of God cannot get in you or me unless we get into it. When we get into the word of God, that should be the first thing you do every morning get in the word of God. There are people in hell right now that refuse to discipline their lives. They refuse to put God first. Somebody might say, oh, wait a minute, brother, that's a work. Yeah, that's a work of faith. See, true saving faith always produces good works because, you know, you put your faith in Christ, you've got a relationship with him, and you choose to put him first. We're saved by grace through faith, but we've not been given a license to live in sin. And if you don't have Jesus first in your life, you're living in the sin of idolatry. you got idolatry in your heart. No idolater is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians 5, 5 through 7, and Revelation 21, 8, etc. So, you know, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, Romans 6, 1 and 2. God's grace, God's saving grace in your life produces the fruit of the Spirit in an obedient life to Christ. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works. Those works don't save you. That fruit doesn't save you. But they're evidences that you truly have a saving relationship with Christ, that you're abiding in Him. So Philippians 3, 2 says, beware of who? Listen, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. These terms are very vile, by the way. They're very incriminating. This is God's word, Frank. I don't apologize for it. These are fitting terms for those animal wolves that'll run around trying to get folks back under the law. They're cursed. They're literally cursed. Try to get people to observe if Saturday as a Sabbath as if that has anything to do with your salvation. Now, if you want to observe Saturday, that's fine. It has, it's not going to give you anything spiritual more than anybody else, I can tell you that. And anybody who's leading you to believe that is a seducing spirit, an evil wolf. There's no virtue in a day. The virtue is in the one who made and makes every day. And by the way, he came and died on the cross to nail a Sabbath keeping to the cross and take it out of the way. Colossians to 14 through 17 hello so we're to beware of these dogs, these, these evil, not just workers, but evil workers. These people are evil, the Bible says. Beware of the concision. God wants us safe, kept safe from them. Verse 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Notice, the true New Testament concision are those who, what? Worship God in the Spirit, not according to the law, but in the Spirit. Jesus said that those that worship the Father must, must worship him in spirit and in truth in spirit in in the spirit and according to the holy truth of god's word in the new testament does not tell us that we're under any part of the law. New Testament believers are justified by faith. God receives people and justifies them on the basis of faith in Christ, the only one who kept the law and then nailed it to the tree at the cost and took it away. Jesus is the only one and he nailed it to the tree and then they're going to say, wait a minute, Jesus said, not one jot or tittle, well yeah, that's right, not one jot of tittle from the law will pass away, but he had not died to take away the law at that point. Matthew 5 17 and 18. So, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence in our ability to go keep some part of the law all over it part of it. It can't be both. You're either under the law or you're under grace. Period. You can't dabble with the law, folks. If you start letting the people seduce you with, oh, well, it's important to keep the Sabbath so uh, from sundown on Friday till sundown on Saturday, I'm going to start. There you go. You, you just step right into it. You've been deceived. You're under the whole law. Now, if you think that brings any justification to your life at all, you're setting aside Christ, you're defying God and spitting in the face of His Son, and saying that his sacrifice was not enough, and you're being overtaken by the spirit of Antichrist who says that Jesus did not come in the flesh and did not fulfill all the law, did not nail to the cross, and did not accomplish redemption. You are an Antichrist now. You see how that works? I'm going, I'm referring back to 1 John 4 1 through 6. You're under the spirit of error, the spirit of Antichrist. Both of those verbat- terms of verbatim mentioned, listed right there. Beware, friend. Get away from those people. They're evil workers. Listen, I know a lot of people through the years that insist upon keeping silent They're unspiritual. They act like they're superior because, well, this was the Jewish. The Jewish religion is obsolete, man. It was totally inferior to what we have now in the new covenant that's been ratified by the very blood of Jesus. Read the book of Hebrews. Get it? Hebrews. And get a revelation. Christ is infinitely superior to the law, to those mere animal sacrifices that were shadows, mere shadows of what he is now, the substance and the savior. Hello. God bless you. And we'll be back for one more session.
0: Maybe two. Who knows? Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, Scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on SafeguardYourSoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all Scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised by the way for those who are supporting and feel free to visit our donate page on the site and you can use your debit card, PayPal or Patreon and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so and a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples